Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And I'm thinking this is going to be even more scintillating, like increased scintillation. I'm I'm, I'm taking it too far. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Uh, We've got just a load to discuss. And if I sound hot, if I sound excited, I am. Uh, and like I was telling the people in the three minute open, um, I'm, I'm not excited cause I know how all this plays out or right? nobody does. It's, I always love how people try to tell you they do. And I think a lot of times they make those prognostications just on, in hopes that they're right. So then they can look like they get it right. Uh, I'm not going to do that to you, but, but we're going to focus on the things that we do know. And, um, I just think that the opportunities that we're looking at here are outstanding I think that there's a lot of uh, craziness going on. I don't think that craziness is going to stop. I think some of it's warranted. Some of it isn't. But there is nothing. There there is no question about this. This action here is creating a ton of opportunity. A ton. Matter of fact, more. I, you know, you could make the argument on a lot. Yeah, you could easily make the argument that that. Uh, in a lot of cases, I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we like, a lot of the value stocks, uh, dividend payers, energy type stuff, I think it's more attractive than it was a month ago. I think it's more attractive than it was five months ago. Um, and it's just, it's fascinating to, it's, it's fascinating to see these opportunities and these prices. It doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing, but, um, Gosh darn it, we got some good info to get to. So I don't want to, I don't want to delay. Let's get right into the market update. So first of all, I had a really good laugh. For those of you that have been listening to the show for a long time, or for those of you that have listened to the show once, (laughs) you probably know my thoughts on bonds. You probably know that I'm not a huge fan, uh, and you probably know why. But I saw a hilarious headline. It was the 60-40 portfolio is is getting annihilated or it's getting killed. And I retweeted it, and I was like, you know, if memory serves, I think I may have mentioned this a time or two on the portfolio. Um, no, but it really is. It's a double whammy, right? So if you're, if you're just, look, we'll use the S and P as a proxy. The S and P is down eight, I think on the year, seven or eight so far it's early, but you know, seven or eight. And then, uh, let's see TLT. Let's look at it. It's up a little bit today. Um, <clears throat> well, let's go one year. So TLT to there. Yeah. You're down 140. Sorry. I'm a bit better than here. You're down about 7% in TLT, it looks like. Maybe, no, no, 4.5%, 4.5%. So your stocks are down 7 Your bonds are down, let's see, well, since December 7th. Yeah, your bonds are down, December 3rd, your bonds are down about 5 Yeah, well, you'd be 10 Yeah, about 6.5%. So once again, another scenario, right? Stocks down, bonds up. S&P's down 7 over the course of the year since December 3rd TLT Treasury Market Bond ETF is down about 6. Let's look at LQD. Let's look at the uh let's look at the um LQD is is like the biggest corporate bond fund, investment grade bond fund uh in the world. So let's look at the last 6 months here. Let's go to uh let's see December okay December 3rd same place we were looking at TLT uh LQD's only down about 3%. So not quite as bad. 3 4 4%. Not quite as bad. But once again, stocks down 7, bonds down 4. Now last year was really interesting. If we look at all of last year, I shares, you can look at LQD, it's just kind of a proxy for us. Um again, it's the biggest investment grade bond fund in the world, I believe. Yeah. Anyway, it's right up there. Um, but if you look at it, last year it was down 6.1%. 
That fixed index annuity that we use, the people say annuities are so bad. Last year, the AIG product or, or a couple of, I can't remember which one it was, but the, the combination, there, there are several products we use. The average return on them was 6% last year. So corporate bonds were down six. The investment or the fixed index annuity was up six. You might hate annuities, but that's a 12% swing in a single day or a single year. Um, people are like, why do you use annuities? That's why. <laughs> Not to mention these bonds were down 15 to 20% during COVID. The annuity didn't lose a dime. Okay, so if you can get past the word annuity, guys, I will say to you what I've been saying on the show for six years. They're boring. I don't think it's the coolest thing in the world. But if you, <laughs> you want to blow the doors off bonds, you know, if you believe that you still need a safe port part of your portfolio, and I think if you look at markets, I, I, I think it's pretty hard to argue that especially people close to retiring or in retirement need a safe part of their portfolio. Why do you use the annuities instead of cash and CDs and bonds? Well, because in a single 12-month period, we had a 12% outperformance. That's why, without risking a dime and without paying a fee. 12%, guys. That we, our 60-40 portfolio was up last year 16%. Average 60-40 portfolio is up like 11. Stock performance wasn't why. If you put both the portfolios together, we actually slightly perform, underperformed the S&P. But that 12% outperformance versus bonds on the fixed index annuity blew it away. Risk management. This is what I'm always talking about. If you can pay less in fees and you can take less risk and you can make more money, you shouldn't care what an investment is called. It doesn't matter. I am so perplexed and tired of having to defend the bond replacement. It is the easiest thing we do. Do you want to take less risk and pay less money and make more money? If your answer is no, for God's sakes, get help. Okay, it's just simple. Well, I don't like annuity. I don't really either. I think they're kind of boring. But do you think you need a safe part of your portfolio? Okay. Would you like to take less risk, pay less in fees? And buy? Okay, I'm not going to go on. This is an annuity show. I just, we have example after example after example. And yet that's the thing that people are usually the most. Now, they've had lulls. They weren't perfect, right? Like one of our products had a really lame two-year run over 2020 and 2021. Um, but it's picked right back up this last year, or excuse me, 2021, it recovered, but it it's picked back up. And again, when you compare it for bonds over the last five years, it's killed them. And it actually performed better over that time than bonds did too. So, you know, even when we lose, we win. This is what I'm saying. This is risk management, right? So anyway, I won't keep going on that. All right. What are the big stories? Obviously what's happened in tech um, you know, it doesn't look good. The tape really doesn't look good. I'm not going to declare it dead, but what is different to me than other periods of times where the NASDAQ, remember we, we've been talking about from, it seems like the last year and a half, you this, this 13,009 level on the NASDAQ to around 14,002. It's been a pretty durable bottom, but it does look different right now. And the reason it looks different is twofold. Every other time it bounced off of these lows, the fed wasn't promising uh, uh, rate hikes. Okay, A. B, guys, a lot of the leaders of that index are getting taken out to the woodshed, right? Netflix getting down. Now, could Netflix come back? Yes, but, you know, it's not a freak out. When you, this is the problem with these high-priced stocks, right? When they hit a bump, I read Netflix's stuff. It wasn't horrible. Netflix isn't getting pounded because everybody hates Netflix. Netflix is getting pounded. Because the price showed growth out into perpetuity with never even blinking. And eventually, as an investor, you go, well, you know, that's going to get that's going to get upset at some point. So, you know, I just look at Netflix and go, hey, you know, over the last year, where to get up to like 640, 650 something. If you like those stocks, just wait, be patient. You'll get a chance to buy them cheap. Maybe not cheap. I'm not saying Netflix is going down to like a 10 P.E. or anything. But here you got it at 36 now. I mean, I still think it's too expensive, but you know, you were at, you were at uh, 690 just in November on Netflix, 690 and valuation doesn't matter, huh? You know, I had told you back then, Hey, just hold on, right? You'll get a chance. So, Hey, if you want to buy Netflix, good news is you buy it about a 40% discount to where it was just three months ago, two months ago. This is what happens. This is what we've been talking about, guys. There's nothing wrong with Netflix. It's not going away, but Inevitably, the information is going to come out and, you know, 
100 PEs on mega cap stocks don't tend to last. They never have. They never have. Right? So look at Peloton. Well, what is it? Last six months, Peloton's gone from 150 down to like 28 today. 85% decline. Everybody's like, what's wrong with Peloton? Nothing. This is kind of what we thought it was worth back when it was at 150. And this brings up what we talk about, guys. But Buffett, I've quoted In the short term, the market is a voting mechanism. In the long term, the market is a weighing mechanism. What's happening in tech? Nothing. They're just being weighed. They're just finally being weighed. Why are they being weighed? Because rates are going up. The environment's changing. We have inflation at 40-year highs. I've been saying this for months. If you think you can keep the same portfolio you've had for the last 20 years going to inflationary market, I, I, you can't. You can't do it. it you're going to keep seeing this. And that's what's going to hurt you so bad is that for so many of you, the vast majority of what you own is all concentrated in the NASDAQ stuff that's getting hammered. No, I'm not telling you to go out and panic sell it. Okay, what I'm advocating is a risk managed approach. Okay, because I don't know the Nasdaq could bounce back, but I'll just tell you it looks bad. And like I said, it looks bad because a lot of the a lot of the leaders of the index now not Apple yet, but right a lot of those stories are coming apart. Right, look at Arc. Where's Arc at today? For crying out loud, um, let's see. You're down another seventy two. Okay, right. Everybody's worshiping at the altar of Kathy Wood. Okay, and again, I don't wish her ill, but remember how I told you this? If you make 150% over that short a period of time, it is only a matter of time, typically, especially if you run a long-only stock portfolio, you're going to give it back. So at one point, what was it like six, seven, eight months ago, she was up 150-some percent, 158% or something like that during the same time the S&P was up 60. Now over that same period of time, the S&P is up like, what is it, up 50 so it's pulled back, but now ARC is now up at like 37% over. So now it's underperformed the S&P by like 15%. And guys, that happened in like seven months, eight months. Now, let, let, me, let me just say, I, there will be good tech companies, right? They get thrown out with the bathwater. And I think it's time to kind of start looking for those or at least make a wish list. One of them for us was PayPal. I think it's a great business. I've wanted to own it for a long time. Uh, we've started a position in that. That's not a recommendation. That one could take a while to play out. Like I said, in a rising interest rate environment, you do not want to be buying, buying things that have sky high valuations. But PayPal is about 50% off its recent highs. Maybe not quite that much. But, you know, it's getting rocked. And you start looking at it now, and you're like, okay, this valuation is actually starting to make sense. But that's, you know, it's not, we can't go there. Just keep an eye on the valuations. We got to take a quick break. We're up against time. Anyway, if you don't have a risk management strategy, give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. If you don't want to call us, you can always email in. We can do email correspondence. But there's a better way, guys. Take the the three minutes it takes to call us and educate yourselves. Educate yourselves on how we're lowering fees, improving performance, improving upside, and drastically lowering risk. It's going to be worth your time. Anyway, we'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond 
compound replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for being with us and sticking with us. And this gets me to my next point, guys. And this is going to be a little bit longer of a market uh, update just because there is so much to talk about. Um, you, the keeping... Well, you know what? Hold on. I'm jumping ahead, actually. Let's, let's stick with just the market update. I guess I got to do a whole segment on... on we wanna do a, I want to do a whole segment because I think it's so prescient right now on how do we tell if we've got a Peloton, meaning it starts dropping from 150 and it's heading to 28, or whether it's just dropping for stupid reasons and it's a dip, right? How do we, how do we tell? Now, there's no perfect way to tell, but I'm going to tell you what we're looking at right now and what we're paying attention and what's really helped us in the past to navigate that because that's the game right now, guys. With interest rates going up, if you're expecting a repeat of the mania and markets, the COVID, the AMCs, you know, the GameStops, that, 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 in my opinion, that ship has sailed. And markets are obviously confirming that fact too. So... If you want to buy stuff, we need to talk. I, I, I agree with Jim Cramer recently where he said, uh, you know, this is not time for clown companies. You need to look at companies that have earnings that make sense. that are trading at good valuations. Uh, that's what's going to work here. Um, and some of those are getting taken to the woodshed, too. We'll, we'll walk you through why. Um, but it, again, it doesn't mean that, that's the other thing, guys. Right, right now. We're going to talk about a bunch of these different things that I'm laying out. But first and foremost, right now. I think this is a perfect example of a period of time where you need to be sober minded. You need to be unemotional and you need to think surgically about these things. Okay. Because like I said, I think one of the things that this market has done is it's trained people to be so short term, right? Thinking, right. I, 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 what's my portfolio do over the next five days? Like I put out in that letter to our clients at the end of October, guys, I think the time is coming where we need to not care about short-term performance. Hopefully it's good. But the opportunities to the long side are so intense, in my opinion, so appetizing, that we need to not care if they go down. As a matter of fact, we should probably hope they do so we can buy more. So we'll walk you through how we decide which ones we want to buy more of and which ones we want to stay away. Um, the, the other thing I continue to love is... Um, I look at this market action and I look at the way energy's responded to it. You know, it doesn't mean it won't go down. Like I, I just, it looks strong. I, it just, it looks strong. Supplies remain tight. Um, I'm still looking my chops at that one. Uh, the energy stocks are continuing to get pounded. Our energy stocks are getting hit right now. Uh, but oil's still sitting right at a seven year high. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to sell them, that's fine. I don't think you're probably running the numbers what these companies are going to be throwing off with oil above 65 bucks. So there's a big pad there. Uh, just looks really intense. The other one that's interesting to us is gold. I'm not telling you to buy it, but gold is floating right back around that level where it starts getting really interesting to us uh, with inflation on the rise, right? We, you, the other thing is, is you got a good environment for it here. So GDX gold miners are getting pounded today. Um, let's see, where are we at with the price of gold? Gold's down half percent. Miners are getting lit up. Yeah, that's that's to be that's to be acknowledged. But gold's done really well this week too. It's just kind of hung right in there, right alongside oil. What I think you're watching here, guys, I think you're watching muscle memory in markets. Meaning, pretty much for every time in the last forty years, if markets were getting nasty, one of the and and you saw bad signs in the economy, you sold energy. Right. Well, what if the bad economic signs are because inflation and energy prices are going up? Right, this is why I'm saying I think this period of time is going to be so difficult for money managers, especially retail investors, to navigate because you've never navigated an environment like this. Right, every time in the last 40 years, if you thought the economy was slowing and, and the market was going to go down, the first thing you want to do is get out energy stocks. 
But unlike all those other times, guys, you go back to when oil made a peak in, in, uh, in 2007, everybody and their mother was running to the oil field. Supplies were coming online right and left. That isn't happening this time. The supply isn't ramping up to meet the demand. So there's still a lot of... It's a close one to watch. Oil's like riding a, a bucking bronco, okay? I'm not saying that it's only going to go up from here. Um, I'm just saying even if it doesn't go up from here, these things are so... And I mean, it's just amazing. You know, you've got oil down like half a percent today. Over the last two weeks, I think oil is at... Where is it at? Let's pull that chart back up there. I think it's up around 10%. Um, let's take a look at it here. So let's go one month. Yeah, so beginning of the year, yeah, you're at your so January fifth, you're at seventy six dollar oil, right? Now you're eighty five. That's seven four. You know, oil's up about twelve percent since January fifth. Okay, over that same period of time, XOP, the index that tracks all those oil producers. Let's pull it up. Over that same period of time, XOP is basically where are we at? January fifth, third. XOP is flat. So it was at 101, right around there, 101. Today it's at 101. Oil's up 12%. Okay, remember guys, with energy stocks or any type of commodity producer, every cent that commodity goes up is essentially falling right to their bottom line. Right? If oil goes up 20%, it doesn't increase ConocoPhillips' cost of producing oil. Right? So when you see the commodity producers going down and the commodity going up and the commodity in a bull market, which oil absolutely is for now. I mean, it doesn't mean it couldn't turn around. It's pretty enticing buy signals. Again, not a recommendation. Still need to manage the risk on them. And, and look, when you look at this market action, you look at everything in the world today, I'm not sitting there saying these things look good over the next three to four months. Anything can happen. What I'm saying is that the long-term valuation picture is absurd. And um, we'll get into that. And the other thing, well, I, I'm jumping ahead. Um, <clears throat> let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, like I said, look for value. We're looking at the tech crack. Um, the other interesting thing is that not only do you have these problems happening in the, in, 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 in markets, right? These, this weighing process, you know, these real issues with interest rates going up and inflation climbing. Those are real, those are, those are real economic issues. There's also other issues weighing in on this. And one of the other, or one of the other issues having an impact is just the structure of the market itself and the impact that passive investing or index funds are having on individual stock movements. And I think they're creating a lot of misinformation and the dynamic is creating a lot of pricing anomalies, in my opinion. And we're going to do a whole section on that too and explain to you what I mean. But it is remarkable and there's some things I want you guys to see and it's going to feed right into how do we tell whether this stock is about ready to you know, bust us or how do we know if this thing has just gotten cheaper and it's a good value, right? And, and that can be often a tough thing to get a read on. But uh, we're going to walk you through at least our process. So that's about it. I mean, other nat gas is, is, is wild. If you're playing for a big nat gas boom like we thought could happen, it looks to me like you're not going to see it here uh, this winter yet in the U.S. I still think there's a lot of attractive nat gas uh, uh, players out there. Um, and depending on what happens with Russia and Ukraine, you could still certainly see that big surge in that gas prices. Um, but I am kind of surprised, honestly. Well, <clears throat> despite some really big cold fronts and big storms we've had on the East Coast and West Coast, the weather models have actually been a little warmer than people thought. Um, so supply remains ridiculously tight, dangerously so. But you're not outside of Europe and Asia. You're not really seeing that ramp on the price yet. It could it could happen. Like I said, there's still some really some really attractive assets in that space. But if you're playing for a big blow up in that gas prices, um, you know, I wouldn't bet any serious money on it. You know, I still think you could have a small bet. You know, it's kind of like a lottery ticket if it goes. But I wouldn't be betting on it. Um, I mean, I still like the longer term picture very much so, but I think oil is really the thing I think that's going to give us the biggest bang for our buck, uh, at least over the next six to eight months. That'd be my guess. Uh, but anyway, got to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. I want to get into the indexing problem right out of, well, you know what? Actually, we're going to go to the importance of watching the fundamentals and how to tell the difference between a stock starting to fall and a stock that's a, that, that's a good value. 
and I'll tell you kind of our process, how we're doing. Anyway, got to take a quick break. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Call us, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website. Follow me on Twitter, at KYR Radio. We'll be right back. Stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Let's get into what, how we know, or no, excuse me. We don't know. You know, you guys will hear me say it a hundred times. Certainty is the hallmark of the charlatan. Nobody knows anything for sure in this industry. Nobody knows anything, you know, I, I shouldn't say for sure. There are times where you can look at a stock or a group of stocks and have a very, very high certainty that they're going to go up. You know, you don't know when, right? Nobody knows that. But there are some times where you've got some certainty, but virtually none, you know, regardless of what the, what the talking heads say, nobody knows. And he goes, oh, how did you know? Well, they tell you the reasons. And I'm always like, well, there's all the, you know, look at the nag gas situation, right? There were all the reasons there and all the setup to see eight to $10 nag gas here in the United States. Didn't happen. Hasn't happened yet. Now, had it happened, we'd look like a genius, but this is kind of the part of investing that nobody talks about, which is we want to look for convex situations, situations where if we're wrong, we don't lose much. But if we're right, we make a pile. Okay, convexity. And what often happens is we spot these things, even if they don't look likely, right? If they play out, they pay you a ton. Right. And so you might throw a little bit at it and just go, okay, I just hope. And then if it hits, you look like a genius. They just don't know about the last four or five that you took. And if you were a good risk manager, the nice thing for your clients is those last four or five home run swings you took probably didn't cost them much, right? Because you were looking for convex scenarios. But inevitably, everybody makes the mind or makes up their mind that when somebody does get one of these rights, how did you know? And then all too often, the manager goes to the whole story. Well, this is how we knew. Oh, nonsense. Nobody knew anything. But what they did do correct was they made a smart bet, right? They made a bet. That really could only help them. And this kind of goes back to the bonded, you know, the bond replacement strategy. Not saying it's going to, you know, make you a bunch of money. But when you compare it to the alternatives, right, it just, I've got way less downside, way more upside. There's, there's my answer, right? So, but when we extrapolate that out to the, to the, to the broader market, and I think now is a really apt time. How do we know? If we're sitting on something, a dip that should be bought or that if this stock falling is starting to tell us something, right? Because Marcos talks about that. He runs the algorithmic portfolio. He calls it price information. He goes, look, Zach, a lot of times the movement in stock has a lot of information built into it, right? It's telling you something. Then there are times where it is not. How do we decipher between those two? Well, I'll give you an example. You guys have heard me talk about Camping World. I'm going to bring it up again today. A, because it's gotten drilled the last two days. And I am a big believer of we need to talk about things that are going against us as much as we're talking about things going for us. Okay. So A, that's number one. But B, Camping World is a perfect proxy for this because it it is going to be the kind of the, the centerpiece, if you will, of our next segment talking about the indexing impact on stocks. But let's take a camping world for a second. Now, don't quote me, guys. We've got a lot of different positions and a lot of things moving around. So there might be a little bit of details to this that are off. But really what I'm using these is for is examples. And just kind of get the gist of what I'm saying here, right? Don't go and pray. Be like, he said 350 million. It's actually 410. I could be a little off on that because we're obviously running a lot of these metrics right now. Um, but just kind of stay with me here. So look at a stock like Peloton when it was up at 150 I think you were looking at something like 30 or 40 times revenue okay which is nosebleed expensive 
Nosebleed. Not times profit, guys. Times revenue. Okay, so that would be like, you know, we've used the house analogy before. But 40 times revenue would be like, what would that be? You know, let's say let's say you could charge $40,000 a year for a house to rent. What, what does that equate to? You know, three grand a month. And 40 times that would be 1.6 million, right? If we buy a 1.6 million, now that's not even as egregious because that money is technically as a return of profit or that's, that's profit, that's cash flow. So that's not really a good comp. Anyway, 40 times revenue is absurd. It's absurd. Okay, I don't care what anybody says. It's absurd. And that's what, that's what worried you about Peloton. Now, here, here's why I say it's absurd. Let's, you know what? Let's actually even use Shopify. Shopify hasn't lost as much, but it's down 50%. Okay. Shopify is even a better example for this. Shopify's market cap. So what the market is saying, they've bid up the stock to the point where Shopify is worth like $130 billion. Okay. It does about $4.1 billion in revenue and makes like 500 million a year. Their earnings say 3.2 billion a year. So like implying they have like 75 to 80% margins. But that number is, I'm not calling it bad accounting. I'm not sitting there saying it's fraudulent. I don't know. I haven't deep dived on it. What I'm saying is I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of manipulation. I don't think, I know there's a lot of that $3.1 billion price. That ain't, that ain't real. Okay. So if you go look at Shopify's PE ratio, it is way artificially depressed. Basically just through accounting machinations. Okay. Just trust me on that. And if you don't trust me, go look at their free cash flow or go look at their, look at their operating income in relationship to their earnings. It's a complete mismatch, which you know that there were things done on the investment side. Again, I haven't dug into it. Don't quote me. I don't know precisely why this, it just, it's, it's not showing you what you need to know. But anyway, when, when Shopify started falling or Peloton, whatever, when they start, where are they going to go? You don't know. Why? Because they're at absurd valuations. If they drop 50%, go look at Shopify right now. Again, it's it's a $130 billion market cap company that does $4 billion in revenue. That is nosebleed expensive. If you don't think that thing can drop to 55 or $60 billion, you're lying to yourself. That'd still be 10 times revenue. Okay, so what I'm saying is, is Shopify going to drop to cut in half again? I don't know. But I don't know where the bottom is because the fundamentals are so far away, right? You're not going to have value investors like me jumping in and go, well, it was at 60 times revenue. Now it's at 50. Now it's at 45 times revenue. That looks like a bargain, right? The people that buy those kind of stuff, they've already bought it. The guys like me aren't coming and buying it. Now, is there a price where it gets attractive? Yeah, I haven't done enough work on that to know. I just know it's still a long ways from here. Okay, now let's flip around and look at Camping World. Over the last year and a half, Camping World has doubled their dividend. They've paid off about half of their debt. Revenue over the last two years is up like 40%. Last year was up like 17. Profits are increasing. They've made acquisitions. The company has grown. It's growing. The RV industry ain't going anywhere. They are now the preeminent player, the biggest power in the RV type world. Okay. If you look at their stock right now, it looks like it's a 10 price to earnings ratio. That's also, that's artificially high based on acquisitions and investments they made. You really go look at the cash flow and do the numbers. You're probably sitting around a 5P. Okay, dirt cheap. Now it's made all of that progress over the last year and a half to two years. Fundamentally a different company. The stock is lower today than it was when we bought it over a year ago. Right? Now, Camping World is down, what, 15, 16% in the last two days. Why am I not panic selling? As a matter of fact, we bought more. Not a recommendation. I'm just using this as an example, okay? Not ad- I don't know whether you should own it or not. But here's why I like it. At this level today, it is at a $1.3 billion market cap. And it's doing about $7 billion, about $6.8 billion a year in revenue. Okay, profits are increasing. It's throwing off massive profit. I want to say free cash flow. Don't quote me. I think it's around 350, 400 million a year, something like that. Could be even higher. Like I said, I've got a lot of these numbers floating around my head right now. So why is that interesting? And again, they paid down debt. 
here's what Camping World can do. Camping World stock is ridiculously cheap, right? It's, it, I don't think anybody, if you looked at the things Camping World has accomplished over the last two years, and now you see it stock trading two and a half or 3% below where it was then. I mean, it, you know, there's nobody that would argue that whatever price you put, it should be substantially higher than it was two years ago. Less debt, higher revenue, more cash, better profits, bigger footprint. I mean, just on every metric, right? Now, here's the thing. This stock is dirt cheap. If the camping world guys decide that they don't like the stock here. Now, I also told you the story about how if the market doesn't bid up their stock, Lamonis, who's the CEO and their board, will just buy it back on the open market. I put that tweet out there and Marcos Lamonis, the CEO, liked it. Right. He hit the like button. I've told you guys that before. Um, but what they can do is they can say, hey, we're going to take a little bit of our cash and uh, next year's free cash flow. And we're going to buy back three or four hundred million dollars worth of stock. Now, if they buy back three or four hundred million dollars worth of stock, they're buying back forty percent of the shares out there in the market. I remember when I told you, if Shopify decided they wanted to take their free cash flow and buy back stock, they'd be able to buy back four hundred million dollars worth of stock for a hundred and thirty-three billion dollar company. That's shooting a BB gun at a tank. But Camping World can sit there and go, hey. We're going, to back, we're going to buy back $500 million of our stock over the next two years. And oh, by the way, remember, we pay a 5.5% dividend. We can borrow money at 3%. So maybe we won't even use our cash. We'll borrow the money at 3 buy the stock back that's paying a 5.5% dividend. And our earnings, are re- we'll, by doing that move, not only do, is there less stock out there, so all the people that hold the stock now own a bigger percentage of the company, but by doing that, we don't have to pay the dividend on that stock, and we're going to keep six, seven million dollars immediately if we do that. An additional six or seven million falls to the bottom line. If they bought back five hundred million dollars worth of stock just using cash, not only would the stock price go up because they bought back forty percent of the shares outstanding, but profit would rise by thirty million a year because they don't have to pay the five and a half percent dividend on that stock. Right. So what I'm saying is I'm looking at a company like Camping World and basically going from what we can see right now, if they don't like the price of the stock, they can sort of determine where it is. They could come out and make an announcement at the earnings of fe- in February next year and say, we're going to buy back a billion dollars worth of stock or 80 percent of our market cap, 85 percent of our market cap over the next three years. And we're going to finance it all by cash and they could do it. Those are the kind of companies I want to own right now that have gotten so bloody cheap that, you know, the board can sit there and be like, hey, well, what price do you guys want us to push the stock to? If the markets and listen, if they don't do that, the other thing is, is would you like to own a company that you could buy for one point three billion or one point two billion dollars now and collect three hundred and fifty to four hundred million dollars worth of profit a year? And that doesn't even count the cash they have on their balance sheet and the other assets. They have. Would you, I mean, guys, if you made a habit of buying companies for $1.2 billion that were paying you 350 to 400 million a year, you're going to be a really rich person in no short order, right? It's crazy. Now I'm not telling you it's a, it, it's a guaranteed win. It, guaranteed wins don't exist. What I'm saying is if I've got a portfolio of those kinds of stocks in this market, I think I'm going to do really well. And then you flip over and look at these tech companies, guys, with these big valuations. Those th- those companies, share prices, they, it's at the whims and the emotions of the market. That's the only reason why they got so high anyway. All right, so if you want to ride them, you could be looking at a 90% trip down. And those things, go look at Peloton right now. What would you pay for the stock? I don't know. I don't know that I would. I know that based on some of the metrics I've looked at, eh, Probably wouldn't want to pay more than, you know, 12 to 15. But again, don't quote me on that because I don't know. I haven't really dug into Peloton. It never fit into what we would want to own because of that price. And also because it was a really expensive exercise bike with an iPad strapped to it. So, (laughs) you know, you can buy them from Precore or Echelon or a bunch of other places. Get the exact same thing for half the price. That's, but when you're looking at scenarios like this, you have to fall back on the fundamentals. It's, it really is the only guarantee you have. That's why Buffett and Munger uh, uh, and Ben Graham, who was Buffett's mentor, called it a margin of safety. 
Now, that doesn't mean the stock can't fall. But when you're looking at a company like that, like I said with Camping World, if we want to make as much money as we do, pardon me, a hiccup. If we want to make as much money as possible owning Camping World or any stock like that, we should probably hope that its stock goes as low as possible. Right. Because remember, the lower that stock goes, the fundamentals of the company aren't changing. So let's say Camping World took another 40 percent hit. Now you're looking at a market cap of 700 million. Jeez, they could buy back 100 percent of their float in a year. Right. So now remember, the officers of the company own shares, too. They don't want it sitting down there. I just think that the the discrepancy between value and it's gotten so big that if we can take the short-term pain and cutting against the grain a little bit, you're picking up you're you're picking up dollars and you're paying dimes. You're literally buying a dollar for 10 cents over the longer run. And that's what we've got to be looking at right now. And if these aren't the conversations you're having with the guy that manages your money, you know, that's the other thing. What did we do? We took a defensive posture. The algorithm now flipped over. This is about two weeks ago. It went to like 85% cash. Now it's 95. We look at our portfolios today. We got hit a little bit. It's mostly because of the energy stuff getting hit, even though crude is hung in there beautifully. So I'm not really that worried about that. But we're down. What are we down? 3% on the year. S&P's down 7. NASDAQ's down 12. Something like that now. 10. Yeah, something like that. Because um, we're being defensive right now. I don't want to be down, but shoot, we right as of right now, we've got like 55% cash in the balance sheet. So, And then we put on some hedges, so we can't really... I was telling our clients, hey, guys, kind of a rough start to the year, but we're positioned defensively. We can't really take on much water from here. Um, now, the energy stocks keep getting pounded, but again, I don't like seeing them down, guys. I'm with you. I don't like seeing them down, okay? But uh, once again, I'll put them in the same category. If we want to make as much as possible, we should want them to go down. That's weird to say, but that just means we buy more. And that means when the corporation does the buyback, they're buying back an even bigger percentage of the market cap. And guys, the pricing, I'll tell you what's going to happen with a lot of these companies. Okay. Either the bids are going to come in and the stocks are going to go up, or these companies are going to take themselves private or private equity is going to step in and buy them. The cash flow story is just too strong. If the market doesn't pay up, somebody will. And this is when we have to steal ourselves as investors and ignore the noise and focus on the fundamentals and values. And if this isn't a conversation you're having with the guys that are managing your money, give us a call. 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? ironically bonds really why because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates it's likely to create some serious inflation and inflation crushes bonds if your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds you may need a bond replacement strategy now get our free booklet common sense investing to learn about bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss but still seek market gains our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. What does outside-the-box investing really look like? Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and see a side-by-side comparison of your current portfolio versus one Zach would recommend. Schedule your free risk review at knowyourriskradio.com. Every day, there's a new headline. Major corporations require mandatory vaccinations. And these mandates have a lot of people thinking about early retirement. If you're exploring your options, listen up. It's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital, host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, this is a big, life-changing decision. It's a huge decision. 
a lot of people don't know if they can retire or when they can retire. In fact, many Boeing employees contacted us for their VLO early retirement decision last year, and most didn't think they were able to retire, but more than half of them could. Look, the last thing you want in a time like this is to leave your portfolio vulnerable. And that's why we emphasize risk management. We have the experience to guide you through the numbers and show you when it's your right time to retire. Don't you want to know? Call Zach now and find out. 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been, you know, we've been sliding around this interview. I was telling you I had a guy that I wanted you to talk to. I did the interview, but I didn't want to just run it for four minutes. It's too long, and it's something that I just, you know, I've been given this platform, uh, much to my own surprise, didn't think I'd be here seven years ago. Um, and I just think part of it is to help other people where you can, um, try to use it for good in some way, um, outside of just my own enrichment and the building of my business. Uh, so I'm going to actually save this interview till next week and we're going to run it in its entirety. So let's, let's get into a little bit of the last segment that I wanted to go over. Um, and then we will continue this segment in the after hours because it's important. I want everybody to at least be aware of it, um, to at least see the role it's playing. Um, and I, cause I think it's very important. I don't think it's very important. I know it's very important. And um, it's just something that you need to pay attention to. So I, I want to talk about the indexing problem. So indexing, um, passive indexing, right? Index uh, ETFs, things like that. They've been a huge financial innovation, if you will. Um, and they have been widely used. They're diversified. They're cheap. I get it. I'm not taking anything away from them. But there's been a lot of work done on these that if 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 ETFs continue to grow, which they're now the largest investment vehicle in the world, I think ever now, I think it's a, I think they're bigger than mutual funds ever were or something like that. Um, but they're a massive influence on markets. And if everybody starts you in e- using ETFs, index funds, now remember when you use need to index fund, S and P 500 SPY, you're buying all 500 stocks in the index. And when you sell it, you're selling all 500 stocks in the index. Okay. So if you get enough money in indexes, at some point, they begin to be the tail wagging the dog, meaning that they that, that, that the index is influencing the stock price uh, more so than even the fundamentals of the corporation. OK, now this is a really it sounds kind of weird. And a guy named Mike Green, who I'm going to try to get on the show, has done extensive work in this. He's a brilliant guy uh, and he's done a ton of work on this. And I think his work is really, really valuable. Um but there is a problem. If everybody's going this route, if everybody's going the index route, at some point, the markets begin to resemble or they become liquidity gauges. Now, remember, the purpose of a market is if we get enough informed people voting essentially on what the price of an asset is, if you get that group big enough, and they've proved, proved this through statistical analysis and all kinds of if you get that group big enough, you get the right answer almost 100% of the time, if not 100%. It's like 99.8% of the time. And that's why we refer to markets as price discovery mechanisms, meaning if we want to find the true value of a good or the true price of an asset, the best way to discover that is by polling a lot of people. It's a market, Right. Well, if everybody, if that market turns into everybody buying these passive indexes, just track the index. As soon as the amount of money in the indexes funds exceeds the amount of money that individual investors are buying individual stocks with, then the index fund, the money in and out of the index fund will have a bigger impact on the price of the stock than the stock's fundamentals. It's kind of weird to think of. So really what happens is if you extrapolate this out far enough, markets really lose the aspect that makes them valuable. They quit being price discovery mechanisms and they start being liquidity gauges. And what I mean by that is if these stocks aren't moving on their own fundamentals and they're being whipsawed by the indexes, 
then what you've got with the index really is it's just a liquidity gauge. Now it's not telling you value. It's just telling you where money is going in and out. You see the index going up, more money's going in than going out. The index going down, more money's going out than going in. That's all it is. And it swamps out the noise. Now that's the theory. People are like, oh, that's what you say. Okay, I want you to do something. And I'm not just picking this one out because it's one we own. I just think it's a perfect illustration. We're going to go back to Camping World. Okay, now, you guys have heard my story about Camping World here. And you've heard how... Many things, you cannot look at their corporation, you cannot read their financials, you cannot look at their balance statement and not acknowledge the incredible growth, right? The progress they have made, whether you're looking at margins, whether you're looking at the dividend, whether you're looking at free cash flow, whether you're looking at the balance sheet, debt, what, however you name it, they've gotten better. Yet you look at Camping World and it's now lower than it was a year and a half ago before all these great things started. Okay, and then you look at the chart and you're like, well, and, and you pull up the chart of Camper, it's just like a Super Bowl. It's just bouncing up and down, bouncing up and down. And then you look at, you know, when we bought it a year and a half ago, we got into it, its earnings weren't as good. So we bought it at like a 15 price to earnings ratio. Now it's down to like five, right? Because it, its profits have grown so much. It's actually made the stock cheaper than when we bought it. Okay, and then you look at all the things that have happened. And you look at it up and down, like you look at the chart, it has nothing to do with the fundamentals. It's all over the place. All these good things are sometimes the good things get announced and stock goes down. Sometimes nothing gets announced, stock goes up. It's all over the place. It's just a head scratcher. And then on top of it, like I said the other day, today it's down another three and a half percent. Yesterday it was down 10. Then we started looking across thing. Every stock that was associated with RVs of any kind, were all down 10%. Today they're all down three. They're all trading together. Okay. Then... You pull up the Russell 2000. Now, the way I came to this, now I've known about this indexing problem for a while, but when I see a stock like Camping World on no news get slaughtered by 10% like that, when the fundamentals and the valuation have never been better, I start digging. I don't just sit back and go, well, I know it's good. You know, it's what you don't know that hurts you in this business. So I start digging. And my first thought was, maybe there's a fund out there that owns a bunch of this stuff and is getting slaughtered. We call it getting carried out. Okay, they're, they're, they're force liquidating, right? Meaning there's funds not doing well. These are rocky markets and they blew out a large position because they had to. Well, I found something interesting. I look at the shareholder list and the largest shareholder of Camping World stock is IWM, the index fund that tracks the Russell 2000 index. So if you want to invest in the Russell 2000 index, IWM gets you done. It's the most famous one that everybody uses, right? So then when I was telling you about the chart, well, then I pull up a chart of IWM. It is a mirror image. It's a mirror image. A year and a half ago, it started here. Now, as of yesterday, it's right back to where it started and it looks like a Super Bowl. It's the exact same thing. So what does all that mean? It means a couple things. A, it means that when we say that markets are broken, this is what we're talking about. Okay. I'm not telling you camping world's guaranteed to go up. Nothing's guaranteed to go up. What I am telling you is that the pricing mechanisms in the markets are broken. They're broken for a variety of reasons, but passive index ETFs are, are part of the problem and they're good. They're, I'm not saying they're going away. I'm not saying we need to get rid of them, but there's a problem because they're dominating too much of the market. And that's why they're distorting things so much, right? You, so you look at, see, and you look at all the progress, you look at all the things they made, then you look at it, it's the index, it's just going with the index, it's completely oblivious to the, what the actual value is, right? But here's the catch, guys, yet another opportunity there, okay, because this cannot last, right? Stocks like that will break free from the gravity of the index, and they'll do it in a multitude of ways. Like I said earlier, maybe they step in and buy back 50% of their stock, which they can easily do, unlike these high-flying tech companies, okay? Maybe they issue a tender offer for shares and take themselves private. Maybe a private equity comes and takes themselves private. But I'm just telling you, all of those scenarios excite me. Why? Because if any in buyer or investor is going to come in and take these things private and buy them, they're going to have to do it at a big premium to where these things currently trade. Because they're tracking the index. They're not reflective of the underlying value of the company at all. Now, here's the tough part. The tough part means that buying the right things for the fundamental reasons 
This is why we sent the note out to our clients in October. It may not feel good. It's not right now. I told you guys about oil stocks. I'm sitting there watching oil in the last three weeks go up 18 to 22% and oil stocks are down. Okay. And as frustrating as that can be in the short term, it also illustrates the underlying opportunity that you have a market, in my opinion, that has never been more blind for a variety of different reasons. Money infused by the Fed, COVID. The other thing, guys, and I don't mean to rank on you at home if you're doing it. Maybe you're a really good investor. But bottom line is when you look at retail money and you look at retail accounts, retail has never played more of a role in the market. And retail, I'm sorry, and I'm not talking to you guys. I'm just saying in general is dumb money. They're chasers. How does retail investment, how do retail investors invest primarily? Almost mostly through ETFs. So you have all these, it's, it's not, it's not one thing or the other. It's the confluence of events, but the opportunity it's creating for us as investors is if we're patient, if we can see past our nose, if we can stay disciplined and stay focused on fundamentals and cash flows and balance sheets and things that actually matter, not conspiracy theories on Twitter or Jim Cramer's latest rant, not dogging on Jim, just analogy. If you can stay focused on the things that matter. The oper- and, and, if, and if you can stand to take some pain, not real pain, right? You, we need to understand that prices you see in the market on any given day are not real. It's just the price that the last stock traded at. Let's go back to Peloton. Was $150 a share real for them? No. Six months later, they're $25. they are not real. What are real? Fundamentals. So how do we know we're not buying a pile of garbage? Fundamentals. What is nobody looking at right now? Fundamentals. When no one's looking at them, it's all we should be looking at. And we shouldn't care about the short-term gyrations. Now, I'm not speaking about if you are loaded up on a bunch of this tech stuff, I think you should be very concerned. Right? Because there's nothing there. There's a vacuum. Right again, Peloton's a perfect example. Shopify too, it's down 50% from its high. It's not that they're bad companies. It's that the valuation is so high, nobody knows right, where, where, where they're finally going to settle in because it's all just, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just subject to an opinion. You can't link it. You can't say, oh, I'm going to buy this because here's where Shopify has start go, stop going down. Nobody knows. Is it going away as it comes? No, I'm not saying that. But guys, you don't have to have a company go bankrupt, take catastrophic loss. Again, Peloton, 85% in what? Six months? And there's tons of those. Like I said, Shopify down, you know, PayPal we were buying is down almost 50. DocuSign was down 50. I mean, it's just all, you know, DocuSign's now down like 70. They're all over the place. And the problem with them is if you're sitting there going, I want to be a dip buyer, at what level? Now you flip over and look at the stocks like Camping World and stuff. I can figure out the level I feel comfortable owning Camping World because I'm just looking at the balance sheet going, well, shoot, if the stock drops another 30%, that's just more stock they get to buy back at a cheaper price because they've got the cash flows. They got the balance sheet. They've got the ability to lend or borrow. They don't even need it because they got the cash. Same with the energy stocks. If you want to beat these companies down another 30 or 40%, they're becoming better investments because of the cash flow, because of the fundamentals. We know what's there. So maybe they start buying back stocks. Maybe they triple their dividends. What Bottom line, we're going to get paid. And right now the baby's getting thrown out with the bathwater. So I understand how people are sitting there going, oh, it's going down. Guys, this is just like I put in that letter of my clients. I go, guys, now, now we're not doing bad. Like I said, I think we're hit for about 2.8% this year. S&P is now down 6, 7.5, almost 8. NASDAQ's down 12 now, something like that on the year. So we're not doing bad. The energy stocks are getting hit, though. And I'm getting some emails from clients going, what's going on? And I'm like, nothing, nothing, guys. Oil's good. We're doing good. Just ride it out. Uranium stocks are getting pounded. Uranium's still floating right around its high at 44. Uranium stocks are down 5%. They'll probably go down a little lower. Wouldn't be surprised if energy took another dip here, too. I'm just saying we need to be conscious of the fact, A, that price isn't always reality. A lot of times it's not, especially in markets like this. How do we tell the difference? It goes back to the, the segment I was doing earlier, right, about, about 
How do we know the difference if we've got a Peloton or if we've got a, a value play that's gotten more valuable? The fundamentals. It's the only thing to go on, and it's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. You start talking about momentum. You start talking about technical analysis. You start talking about trends. Everybody's on it. Nobody. You can listen to a two-hour synopsis on the market. You won't hear anybody talk about cash flow, free cash flow, earnings, nothing. But there's a point where that spring gets so compressed that you've got these companies swimming in money. And I think, honestly, the only reason they're not announcing buybacks right now is they want to see how low the price of the stock goes so they can buy back more. Another energy company I was looking at the other day, I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's not a recommendation. But nobody's been buying the stock. So guess what? The CEO and his brother have stepped in and bought 60% of the stock. Why do you think they're doing that? It's because they're looking at the balance sheet. They're sitting there saying, well, she's, if nobody wants this stuff, we'll take it, man. Well, yeah, but your stock's down 25. I don't care if the stock's down 40%. Okay. I'm going to be cash flowing 50% of my market cap in free cash flow a year with oil at 70, let alone 85 or higher. And again, guys, I'm not telling you to go all in on energy. We still need to manage risk because there's something that could have, you know, theoretically, there's something something could happen and drop oil down to 50. You know, who knows? But I'm just saying (laughs) the setups are so good. And during this time, this is painful. You know, watching markets do this, you know, our value portfolio is down like 2.3% today. And we're hedged. And it's all because the energy stocks. And meanwhile, crude's hanging right in there. It's down 1% on the day or whatever. But the, the crude futures, 24 and 25, are up. Yet oil stocks are down 4%. Again, last two weeks, oil's up, what, 18, 22%, I said. Oil stocks are down like 5 And remember, got people like, well, maybe that means something about the stocks. No, guys, when we're looking at commodity producers like oil stocks or whether it's gold stocks or what, people that produce a commodity, when the price of that commodity rises... If oil goes up 5%, that money just drops straight to their bottom line. Because if oil goes up 20%, ConocoPhillips' cost of producing a barrel of oil doesn't go up. Right? It stays the same. You know, all you'll hear is the bad part of energy investing. One of the great parts of energy investing is that your cost structure doesn't change for the most part. There's always exceptions. But your cost structure doesn't change. So when those commodities go on a run... It all drops to the bottom line. What makes this period of time so much juicier than other periods of times in the past is because of what energy companies have gone through in the last eight years, specifically 2020, when oil went to a record low of negative 37. All of these companies have gotten more disciplined and cleaned up their balance sheets to a level that I have not seen in my career. So what does that mean? That means that even more of that profit is dropping to the bottom line because it's not going pay to service debt. It's not being spent to drill a bunch more holes in the ground. Maybe that, remember that adage, drill, baby, drill, where it was all about shale. The the shale company you wanted to own was the one that was drilling the most holes, right? Because oil's going up forever. That isn't happening. As a matter of fact, the opposite is happening. These energy companies are saying, we're going to return the cash to the shareholders. Because we don't want to oversupply the market like we have done in the past. Then you, compo- then you combine that with really the global shortage, the global, the global supply pinch for energy. And the fact that Omicron is w- w- uh, rolling over. And, and I believe in the next six months, most economies around the world are going to be all or almost entirely open. Man, I just... It, and, and, and it's not just that. Like I said, I brought up camping. Room. There's a bunch of others. It's not just energy. They're around. But where you need to be looking right now, where we're looking, there are all the places. I want to look at the stocks that aren't trading on fundamentals or just getting whipsawed by the index. I want to look at the energy stuff. I want to look at the stuff that the market hates. Not because I know those stocks are going to go up and down, but it, the price in relationship to the fundamentals of the company have just become ridiculous. I mean, a lot of these things, again, the price of the stock can go up and down. But financially speaking, you look at a lot of these companies, you go, I can't lose money. Not at the price that I'm buying this thing at. Not unless it's like a fraud, 
right? I mean, or the CEO does something crazy or, you know what I mean? Outside of that though, fundamentally speaking, I'm looking at this business and going, if I hold this for any period of time, I can't lose. What if oil goes down to 55, run the numbers at 55. They're still puking cash. And I'm just telling you what they're going to do is buy back their own stock, go private, get bought out by private equity. Value is value guys. And I think you look at the world today. I don't think people have been full of more bad information. I don't think people have been pulled wrongly. And I don't think there's ever been a time where people have been pulled in the wrong direction, more on the investment side. I don't think there's ever been a period of time culturally where the rules didn't apply. When you live in an environment like that, what should you be looking at? The opposite. You should be looking where everybody else isn't. What is nobody all excited about right now? Nobody's all excited about an oil company. Nobody's all excited about a natural gas company. Nobody's all excited about an RV dealership, right? And I don't care what the asset is. It goes back to what George, Sor- George Soros talks about all the time. No, no. Who said this? No, it's Buffett. Sorry. Buffett said there's no such thing as bad assets, just bad prices. Means that I don't care what you think of the asset. You might not like energy. You might not like RV dealerships. But if I can buy them cheap enough and they pay me enough money, I'll make a pile. Conversely, I look at a lot of these other companies that I think are good companies that have great products. I look at the price and I'm just like, I don't understand how I'm ever going to make money. Not unless some moron comes around and is willing to buy it for me higher than I bought it for him. But when I run out of morons, I'm stuck because I can't defend this valuation with the fundamentals of my company. So I'm not telling you to go up and load up on the stuff. I'm not telling you it's risk-free. There are no sure bets in this game. I'll say it till the day I die. Having said all that, if you know where to look and you're willing to think outside the box, there are generational investment opportunities out here, guys, and I'm stealing myself against it, and I told our clients. And you know what? Here's the hard truth of it. Like I said, we're holding up really well, down 2.5%, two, two 3% or something like that, S&P's down to ASP's down eight. NASDAQ's now down 12, approaching 13 on the year. So ugly start to the year. And we're getting hit a little too. We're not perfect. But the reason we're getting hit, I'm okay with it. Why? Because these things are getting cheaper and we're going to buy more. And if this lasts a lot longer, we'll probably lose some clients. It's what happens. I hope that's not the case because they'll be selling at the bottom. But I got to be a fiduciary. I got to stick to my guns. And when I see unbelievable risk reward setups based on fundamentals for my clients, I'm ignoring the noise. We're going to go in there with both guns blazing, man, because value is value and it will always matter. And no matter how crooked a market gets, cash flow will always win out. Balance sheet will always win out. It's the way of things. Cash flow matters. Debt matters. Reality matters. So anyway, that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, keep an eye out for this stuff, guys. And, and if you're going to stick with it, now is the time you need a risk manager. And if you don't have one like me or, or somebody else, now's the time you should get one or now's the time you should read up on it quick. This is not a time to be throwing money at individual stocks. You need to know what you own. And the reason you need to know what you own, guys, is you got to separate out what you should buy more of and what you should dump, right? That's the key. And the only way you know that is by looking at the fundamentals. So anyway, have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. We got some killer interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks, by the way, and I'm working on a couple more. Um, and in most two, at least two or three of them are going to be deep dives. So almost exclusively on the podcast, you're listening. If you're listening to this, you're listening to the podcast. But if you haven't subscribed, do it. Just download and subscribe. The higher those subscriber numbers get and the higher our downloads get, the better people we get. So, you know, if you want to listen to us talk. download and subscribe you'll hear even better content anyway have a great weekend we'll see you guys next week you're listening to know your risk radio podcast download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com thanks for listening to know your risk radio with zach abraham chief investment officer at bulwark capital whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile schedule your free risk review with zach abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com zach will be back with more know your risk radio next saturday at noon on 97.3 cairo fm and am 770 ktth
The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.